What's up, fellas? Hey, how's it going, Brian? Pretty good. How are hey, you, what's Kevin? up, Andrew? So uh, I know we uh, we've had a little bit of a hiatus here from our Radiant Pop Culture podcast, but uh, you know, with the holidays and everything, cut us some slack. But we're back now. Uh, we've got some good stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, so I think we can just uh, you know jump right into it. Um, this is a little bit overdue at this point, but you know we're all huge Star Wars fans, so I think we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss Rogue One here. So uh, just to open up the discussion, um, a little plug for myself. I, I did write a review of this movie on Radiant.com, so for, for uh, you know my extended thoughts, you can certainly check that article out. Um, but Kevin, I'd like to throw it over to you to see uh, what your initial thoughts on Rogue One were. Um, going into Rogue One, I wasn't really sure what to expect from a, a spin-off Star Wars film. Uh, we know that like the actual installments in the saga, um, like Episode uh, 7, Force Awakens, are going to get uh, the full treatment, the full attention of the studio. Um, but I, I guess I wasn't sure how the quality of the spin-off films was going to uh, measure up. And it, it really... You know, surpassed my expectations, I guess, my tempered expectations. Um, I thought it was a great movie, um, a, a great entry into the Star Wars saga, and also kind of helped to strengthen the original trilogy in some ways. Um, beyond its own scope, it, it kind of helped to plug some of the sort of plot holes that have existed for decades with A New Hope, like um, answering questions about the construction of the Death Star and stuff like that. So I, I thought um, it did more than just um, a little bit of fan service, uh, the story service overall. Um, and as far as the standalone film goes, I thought that you know it was, it was good. It was a very good action film, uh, start to finish. Um, a little limited on the character development uh, for some of the characters, but all in all, uh, great time. Andy, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, I mean, I, I I echo Kevin's sentiments there. I think we got a an idea really early on of the of how it would be different from the uh, the traditional entries in in the Star Wars saga. They didn't even do the the scrolling text <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. I was waiting for it to see if they would actually do it. Um, but yeah, I I really liked it as well. Um, it was it was definitely interesting to see how they handled the the spinoff there. Um, f- not knowing much about that that crew that was out there, you know, Rogue One, I got hit over the head with a lot of names uh, of people, places, and things uh, really early, and it was very hard for me to catch up. Um, but once I got over the hurdle of, you know, understanding who was who, where they were going, all that stuff, I, I, I really got into it. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved the movie. Uh I thought that it was very important for the Star Wars franchise as a whole to show that uh, they can do a spin-off and do it successfully, considering they have you know the multi-year plan to be releasing these spin-offs like the Han Solo movie and you know who else who know else who knows what else is going to be coming out um, other than you know Episode Eight, Episode Nine, uh, but just the fact that you know so many studios will do spin-offs or. Uh, like sequels or whatever, and they'll just fail epically. The fact that Rogue One was such a major, major success, uh, you know, not only like viewers loved it, but it killed in the box office. Uh, it's just huge for the franchise, and I think it's also huge for fans of the the series. Yeah, I think it, not only did it fill some plot gaps as, as Kevin referenced, but I thought it, that it effectively filled the the time gap 
between um, the prequels and the the original trilogy there. Like, I literally thought we were about to see Princess Leia, like, load the plans into R2-D2 and, like, ship them off. Like, it it was, it just was so seamless. And at that moment, I was just like, that's sick. Yeah. Speaking of Princess Leia, that was some pretty good CGI of her in that scene, too. I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'd say that. Go ahead, Andy. You go ahead. That one was that one was far more noticeable than uh, Moff Tarkin. Uh, my, my, I saw it with my girlfriend, and she didn't even notice that that Tarkin was done with CGI. But uh, Leia was a little bit tough to watch. Yeah, that's what I was going to comment on. Was that um, I kind of I wasn't expecting it. I had no idea going into it uh, that they were going to use CGI to kind of bring back these characters that the actors are now uh, either were deceased at the time or were significant age and are now of course deceased um but i also seeing it in imax 3d i wasn't sure how much more noticeable it was um kind of viewing it on that medium as opposed to like seeing it in you know viewing viewing style or like on the small screen how noticeable it'll be um but i like leia i think you just kind of you know what Carrie Fisher's face looks like, and it's kind of in that uh, uncanny valley, they call it, where you might not be able to pick out specifically what it is about the face, but you know it's not human. Uh, but I thought, <laughs> I did think it was done really well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just pretty cool in general that, like, the technology nowadays allows for you to do that. Um, I know, like, like Lucasfilms and Disney, like, they've already said they're not going to use, you know, with Carrie Fisher passing, they're not going to use her likeness in CGI in Episode Eight. Um, which I think is like a great show of respect for her, but it, it is pretty cool just knowing like if need be they have the technology now and it just shows how far like we've come. Uh, so a couple other things about Rogue One that I really liked. Um, I liked you know how Andy mentioned all the new characters and like getting used to the new characters um, where we've been so used to the same ones for so long. Uh, I really liked the characters. Like I thought Jyn Erso was uh, a good character. I didn't I didn't think she was great, but she was a good character. Um, my favorite character of the movie, though, was the robot. Like, he was probably the funniest robot companion we've had in Star Wars yet. I got, a, I was a big fan of him. He seemed like a a better executed Jar Jar Binks to me. Yes. <laughs> That's great. I wonder if he's uh, if yeah, I, start I... predicting him as an evil Sith Lord then pretty soon. Um, well, I mean, we see him die on screen, so... <laughs> yes, good, good. <laughs> All right, do you guys have any other any other thoughts on, you know, the, any, the characters or plot lines or anything like that? Um, I was just going to say that I think overall um, we're seeing kind of Disney taking Star Wars in the same or similar direction that they took the Marvel Cinematic Universe where um, they're going to create more and more movies that all tie in to each other and i wouldn't be surprised if um some elements that are shown in these spin-off films that are shown in rogue one pop up in um the more standard saga films like if in episode eight we see something like just to pull out one example some fans have been talking about will uh darth vader's lair his castle or whatever on mustafar uh be brought up in in episode eight that would be interesting to see if kylo ren has discovered that hideaway or perhaps snoke or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised at all with how intertwined all of the movies are in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so that would be kind of cool. Definitely. Do you think that we will ever see Thrawn? 
That's a good question. Um, they um, Disney did recently make Thrawn canon, I guess, by including him in the Star Wars Rebels series and announcing that there's going to be a novel coming out, a, a canonized novel coming out in April, I think, uh, based around him. So it is it is possible, um, but you never know how much of his Star Wars Legends uh, story is going to be uh, carried over into the new character or, you know, what time they'll necessarily have him placed in. True. Uh, so I, I guess I'll say, uh, I guess I'll say, yeah, at some point. Yeah. I think it could be like a, yeah. like five or six years down the road. He gets one of those spinoff films. Definitely. Or just to be a character in one of the spinoff films, perhaps. Yeah. All right. So I have a question to pose to both of you. Um, there's three of us. So we're going to have a definitive answer at the end of this. Uh, what do you prefer, Rogue One or The Force Awakens? Andrew, you go first. This one, this one for me is tough. I feel like I got to stick with my guns. Um, I was having this discussion with somebody and saying, I think I prefer Rogue One's cast of characters to The Force Awakens' cast of characters. Like I prefer Jin over Rey and Cassian over Finn. Um, but to me, Star Wars has always been that, that fran- the franchise that we all know, and it, it, it isn't the same without, without Jedis and lightsabers, and so I have to go Force Awakens. Okay, Kevin. Um, uh, it's, it's close call for me, too. I'm going to say, on the one hand, as a standalone film, I can see why um, people would prefer Rogue One. Um, you know, I feel like The Force Awakens is is kind of building toward the new trilogy, and obviously a lot of the plot was borrowed from A New Hope. There were a lot of things that were seemed kind of fan servicey. Um, you know, uh, it recently got hyped up the fact that there's a deleted scene from The Force Awakens where Chewie rips the arm off the uh, the the guy who who was uh, uh, kind of watching over uh, Rey on Jakku. And that was a deleted scene because it was like kind of just too similar, too much of a parallel to uh, A New Hope um, and the scene in the cantina. So I, I get what people say when they say that um, The Force Awakens is kind of like not original enough and Rogue One is an original story. But I'm going to side with Andy here and say that overall I'd give the edge to The Force Awakens because I think it's building towards something greater. I think that um, the new trilogy, I have high expectations for episode eight, love Ryan Johnson as a director. And I think a lot of what the force awakens did will be justified by the next two movies. Yep. All right. So, uh, we got a queen, clean sweep for the force awakens. Um, I, actually, yeah. you know, I thought that we were going to have one, one, and I was going to have like a sick deciding boat factor here. <laughs> um, but no, I guess we all, we all just really like the force awakens. Um, for me, like it all just pops back to that very first scene of the force awakens when like. They're on that ship that's landing. They have, like, just that kind of, like, badass camera view of the the stormtroopers. Like, as soon as I saw that scene, I was just like, yes, I'm in for this movie. And then it just got, like, progressively better the whole time. Um, Rogue One, like we've been saying, great standalone movie. But the scrolling text, like, the main Star Wars theme, like, nothing jacks me up like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm Force Awakens. Um, Yeah, all the the feels. All the feels, yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, so moving on. Um, glad we, we had this discussion finally, but um, just to, to change gears a little bit uh, and switch over to TV. Uh, so we have another show that uh, the three of us watch. I think there's been uh, plenty of people that have watched this. It's um, on Netflix. It's called The OA. Uh, it was kind of been dubbed as like a good follow-up show to Stranger Things, the same kind of like sci-fi storytelling kind of show. Uh, there's been quite a bit of controversy around the ending, you know, the plot developments. Um, it's kind of the thing where you either love it or hate it. Uh, so I kind of want to just get you guys' thoughts on the OA, how you like the series overall. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll give a little spoiler warning here. We're going to we're gonna get into some details. So if you haven't seen the OA, definitely, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit through here. Check out the show. Um, but, Andrew, why don't you start us off with the OA? I'm a fan. I I liked I liked it as a follow-up to Stranger Things, like you said. I, I felt like it fit that that same genre. And if you, I've been telling everybody, if you like Stranger Things, you'd like the OA. Um, for me, it took about 45 minutes, I want to say, into the first episode to just to have just bought in hard. Um, the minute they panned to the the Russia flashback with the dramatic music and and uh, screenshots, it was I was sold. Yeah, Kevin, how about you? I'm going to take a contrasting opinion on this. Um, I didn't love the OA. Uh, I started off, you know, really into it, um, kind of binged through a few episodes to start and, and really um, was interested to see where it was going. But there's a certain point kind of uh, midway through the series, and I, I suppose – um, if we're, we're allowing spoilers here, I'll just come out and say it when it was revealed to be about like angels, uh, that I kind of was like, okay, um, not sure I'm really still following this, but I'll see it through. And as it went on, I, I stuck with it. it. It didn't get too kind of corny for me, um, or sentimental for me, but the ending really needed to be there to justify it for me. And the ending, um, it, it just didn't totally do it for me. What I'm going to say is that a lot of the theories that have been coming out after the fact about different things that were going on, interpretations of what was going on in the background, um, indicate to me that if there is you know a second season of this that picks up those loose ends and kind of further develops things, then I might be back in and it might justify it all to me. But if this is just a standalone work here, uh, I didn't love it. Yeah, I I'm kind of mixed on this one. Like I I like the OA. Like I there was never really a point during the series where I was like I'm uh, like I can't watch this. And I've I've given up on shows before. Um, it had me kind of hooked. Uh, really the part in the first episode that got me it was towards the end where like they did Netflix presents the OA rather than doing that at, like the the start of the show. I thought that was just a really cool touch. So uh, little things like that when they happen in a show and kind of like grab my attention. Like to me show that. I don't know, I think it's going to be, like, a good show. So I stuck with it. Um, I really wish that uh, – I think this is something where we kind of discussed off the air, but I really wish that I had gone into this, like, watching the show, trying to pick up on theories and trying to, like, watch closely. Like, I kind of just watched it more casually. And then reading the theories after the fact, it's like, oh, damn, like, I wish I had noticed that during the show. Um, but, no, I, I mean, I was entertained um, – the last episode, like, I, I did not see that ending coming at all. It kind of came, like, so far out of left field. Uh, but I think that it was important to just tie back kind of, like, her visions and everything. And, like, 
they must be real, you know, if one of the one of the big theories out there, right, is that she's just like in a mental hospital the whole time. And this is all just like her illusions or her like uh, like fake life she's living in her head or whatever. Um, but I don't know. Like I, there's so many theories that like I almost want to rewatch it with these in mind. Um, but yeah, I would recommend it for anybody who likes something like Stranger Things. I think the counter argument to the, to the to the ending that you were just discussing would be that everything that she was telling them wasn't really real, and she had fabricated all of that. And the feel good ending for this whole story is that it may have not been true, but she brought together these five people in a profound way, and through whatever crazy like motions she taught them, they managed to save countless lives in a, in a, what could have been a, a school massacre, which to be honest, it came way out of left field in terms of, in terms of endings. But I, I thought it was, it was dramatic. And then I think if, if you're buying into her story and the way that she saw all of, all of this playing out, you could argue that what they did, did in fact open up the dimension that she was looking for. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of room for interpretation there. So a couple a couple things, right? So first, something is going on with her where she was blind when she left and came back and was not blind. So, like, clearly something happened, right? Yeah. Um, apparently, if you watch the part closely where she is, like, put into the ambulance, there is that whoosh sound that the the doctor kept talking about. You know, where he says when he hears people yeah. die, he hears that whoosh. Like, you can hear that, apparently. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's crazy. And then the only the only real thing, like, I think the main thing that makes people doubt the story is the fact that um, they found those books in the house, like uh, the Homer book and the book on angels and NDEs and everything. But in my opinion, like, I'm buying into the theory that those were planted by um, – FBI agent who was in the house it's like why was he just in the house in the middle of the night and nobody like like uh, what's the kid's name that was in there with him crap I forget his name <laughs> but whatever whatever his name was like French yeah 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 and it's so, like why like he was in there but then this FBI guy was there like why was he there I think he was planting the books to he's like somehow involved in the whole like angel hunter thing or whatever but I don't know, so I, I'm of of the the belief that her story's true. Sue me. Yeah, I think this would have been a somewhat of a fun show to, to you know, theorize and speculate on, but the the unfortunate reality of Netflix shows is that if you go looking for that that type of thing, you uh, you just spoil the season for yourself. Right. So it's it sucks. Right. Yeah. Definitely not the same as uh, something like Westworld, which we loved kind of the fact that there was a gap of a week between each episode for us to speculate and gather theories. Um, I, I totally agree with you guys that I probably would have enjoyed it more if I had that with this. But it's the nature of these uh, dumping the whole season out at once Netflix shows. Yep. I wish they'd change that format. They've got some good content. It would just be nice if it was broken up. Yeah, Amazon yeah. has one show that they release weekly, but it's like... It's it's like a tour of the world and eat different foods show, so we're not really going to speculate on that. <laughs> I mentioned there's some could, crazy theories in that yeah. one. That could make some great uh, food for thought on the pod. Hey, oh, <laughs> no. 
Pun intended. <laughs> Yeesh. <Dad? laughs> uh, all right, so moving on from the OA, um, another new show here that we're pretty excited. Like, I'm, I'm excited about it. Kevin hasn't seemed too enthralled yet, but uh, Andrew's written an article on our site. Uh, it's called Taboo. It's on FX, and it's starring um, one Tom Hardy, who we're, you know, we're pretty fond of Tom Hardy here. He's a good-looking guy. Uh, but, Andrew, since you, you know, did a real deep dive into Taboo and, like, the lore surrounding it, I would love for you to kind of give us a little bit of a background uh, on the first two episodes here and just some things to look out for. Yeah, so uh, Taboo is set in 1812 London um, during the Regency era, which was known for uh, the the luxury of the, the rich and the, the deprivation of the poor. Uh a lot of a lot of not so great things going on, and everybody was participating. Uh, but Tom Hardy uh, no, plays a character named James Delaney, who has been gone, long thought dead in Africa for ten years or so. He returns to London, finds his finds out his father died, uh, and learns that he's to inherit basically nothing but this piece of land in the Pacific Northwest called Nootka Sound. Now, Nootka Sound is a very desirable piece of land to both the British Empire and the newly formed United States because it sits right on the border between what would become Canada and the, the United States we know today. So the trade routes that this land would offer to to Russia to China were were very had a lot of strategic value. So the East India Trading Company, they're they're this big conglomerate. They are portrayed to be very evil in the show. They they want this. They want to get it from James. James doesn't want to sell. He is looking for revenge, possibly for the the murder of his father. Um, but that that's where we. That's where we find ourselves in the first episode. For me, the first episode was fantastic setup. Not much happened, but we learned so much about what was going on and like the setting, all the characters. Like we 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 fully understood the conflict that that we were going to be seeing for the rest of the series. The second episode for me, it seemed like it was progress for progress's sake. There were a lot of things that were posed that were then solved within three or four minutes. And it, and it just seemed like they were trying to just pu- push through, push through, push through all these plot points to, to get through stuff after having what some might consider a, a, a dull first episode. So I wasn't in love with the second one, but I'm still very excited for the series. Yeah, I think the second episode introduced you know a lot more as well, like the, the character Atticus, um, who is the same guy that plays Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. Um, he was introduced. He's kind of like nuts, dude. He's insane. I, I had a really hard time understanding like him for the most part. I, I think I probably only understood about 20% of the words that came out of his mouth, but I still liked him. He's like kind of a head case. <laughs> it seems like he's like just one of those like mass murderer kind of guys. He's going to like wreak havoc in, in this show. Um, very interested to see like, like I feel like, this guy's got kind of some mystical powers almost like Tom Hardy's character, James Delaney. Like he seems to know all this stuff, but we don't know like how he's finding out his info. Um, he's got like this. So here's my theory. Yeah. Here's my theory. 
Nootka Sound was inhabited by a tribe called the Nuch. Oh, I can't even remember. I can't even remember what, what how to pronounce it. It was it was a indigenous tribe native to that island. James's father had purchased the land from those Indians, um, and also purchased a wife who was James's mother. Now, my deep dive that you were referencing was was in terms of the mythology relating to that tribe. One of the things that that comes up is the concept of a Wechuge, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, and they are known to be monstrous creatures who become super powerful after having been uh, possessed by a, the spirit of one of the uh, great ancient spirit animals. Um, they Somehow this also involves a level of cannibalism, which we, after the second episode, know James dabbles in himself. <laughs> yeah, he dabbles. <laughs> <laughs> Big old neck chomp. Um, but I, I believe what we're seeing is, is he is an example of one of these uh creatures from their from their mythology um and it it says that this is usually brought on by having um participated in in some actions that may be considered taboo uh which ties in perfectly with the the Mm -hmm. name of the show um now you could speculate that the taboos that he was was uh violating would be either the incestuous relationship with his sister or the actual act of cannibalism that he was said to engage in during his time in Africa. So I think that, I think that is going to help explain the somewhat supernatural powers that he seems to possess. So one of the reasons why I love people like you and why I love Reddit is like knowing this level of like, detail that goes into like the creation of a show like i it opens up like so much about a show like i never ever would have put the effort in myself to research that but just knowing it kind of adds this whole layer to the show that makes things so much more interesting for me westworld got me into it just seeing seeing exactly what you just said seeing what other people pulled out of the woodwork to like all the all the inspirations that the writers drew from like from various uh like literary uh cultural mythological influences it, it was it was mind-blowing and it made me appreciate the writing that much more and i think not to the same degree as westworld because i think westworld was just in a class of its own um i think taboo is is going to be something something similar yeah, I think it's just going to be one of those shows that it's going to take like three or four episodes before like things start getting crazy. But I think once it does, uh, it's going to be kind of like a weekly must watch. Kevin, have you watched Taboo? I watched the first episode. Didn't watch the second one yet, uh, but I'm kind of hoping for what you were saying. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> spoil. No, no, no. You didn't spoil anything major at all. Um yeah, it's still building, and uh, like Brian said, you know, I'm kind of hoping that after a few episodes, then things will start to really pop off. Um, I, I appreciate having, you know, some world building and some setup in the first few episodes. I thought the first episode 
dragged a little bit. It was a little bit of a bore for me, but I never get up on a show this early and I'm just, you know, hoping for that payoff. And the fact that Tom Hardy's involved, that guy's been in uh, nothing bad that I've seen. So uh, I'm hoping that it does build to a crescendo as the season goes along. Nice. Yeah. So definitely keep an eye out. Uh, I think it's Tuesday nights at 10 on FX is taboo. Uh, so moving on, I'm going to take a topic solo here. Um, I've decided this year to watch The Bachelor. I've never watched this before. Uh, I typically hate things like this. But, uh, you know, people are really into The Bachelor, so I figured, heck, I'll give it a go. Now, I want to preface this by saying that The Bachelor is a horrible TV show. It's not good. It's very, you know... It's trash. It's like you're watching these very delusional people think that they're going to go on to a show and find their next husband, and the guy, Nick's going to find his next wife. Like, it's a recipe for disaster. But having said that, watching it, it is golden entertainment. It's hilarious. Like, I laugh out loud. I scream at the TV. Like, I, I just enjoy it so much. I never thought I would, but I can't – like, I'm hooked on it. So, I'm three episodes in at this point, you know, I'm also writing reviews for the website, so go check those out there. I don't mean to brag, but they're kind of funny. Uh, it's just, you get these just complete head case women. There's a couple that are, like, down to earth, you know, but for the most part, they're just so full of themselves. Like, this one girl's 24, and she has a nanny because, like, her family's rich, and she can't do anything for herself. Like, that's pretty pathetic. And she just gets blackout <laughs> drunk the whole time. Like, she does all this weird stuff, like, where she she just, like, makes out with the guy every time she sees him. They don't even talk. She just grabs him and makes out with him, and she's just blacked out the whole time. So that's pretty funny. Um, but, you know, as a guy checking out The Bachelor for the first time, it's going pretty well for me. So uh, maybe next week I'll give you guys some more some more deets. But right now I'm just going to, you know, keep it light. We'll say The Bachelor's – it's a, it's a watch. Bachelor's a watch. <laughs> a dumpster fire to, to watch. Yeah, it's like, it, I hate to love it, you know? <laughs> I gotcha. You're going to hate watch it. Yeah, I hate watch you, it. Uh, you've actually inspired me to give it a go. Yes. I, uh, I, I attempted to watch the first episode on demand earlier tonight. Um, I made it through the introductions to all the girls. It was It was painful. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy it that much. But then my uh, my cable provider, who will remain nameless, decided that my my viewing needed to stop. And, and when I tried to resume that, that viewing, it tried to start me over from the beginning, and that was something I simply could not commit to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you like the girl who, like, the dolphin girl? Um, yes, but my problem is it's a shark. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's awesome. Like. No, she's so no, dumb that take, she thinks it's it a dolphin. Took, it, it, it took away from it. It took away from it. it. It was only funny if she was trying to be funny. It's not funny if she's that dumb. <laughs> it's just great. It's great TV. Uh, all right. Well, you catch up this week, and next week we'll dish on The Bachelor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the next topic I wanted to cover with you guys um, – so Amazon Prime has TV shows. We've alluded to them before, but never really gotten into them too much. So I thought after the Golden Globes where Billy Bob Thornton won Best uh, Actor in a Drama for Goliath, you know, this is the first time Amazon's really, like, 
getting on the map in a major award show. So thought there, there are a few shows that we can break down, uh, some good, some bad. Let's start with the bad. So there's a whole, all this buzz. Season 2 of Man in the High Castle just came out. Um, the premise of this show, if you're not familiar, it's what would have happened if the Axis powers had won World War II. And it's in the United States and, like, um, Nazi-occupied U.S. and Japan-occupied U.S. Um, and we get to follow, you know, some quote-unquote freedom fighters, we'll call them, you know, they're Americans that are trying to form, like, a resistance to the, the Axis occupation of the U.S. I made it through four episodes. Andrew, how many did you make it through? I made it through two episodes. Did not like it at all. Why didn't What you? a cool what a cool concept though. Like that to me that that this had so much promise and perhaps it still does. I don't know. Maybe two episodes isn't enough, but I, I didn't care about a single character and a lot of the action and anything going on just seemed like fake and contrived. For example, the dude falling off the bridge into the waterfall just looked so fake. Yes. And it was, it, it did, it did not pull me in, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Damn. I was really interested to check this one out, but I don't know. Maybe I'll have to give it a pass. Guys, tell me better or worse than black sales. Uh, better. <laughs> black sales is bad. It was really Black Sails is one of the worst shows I've ever. It's tried still to watch. on. It's uh, still running. That's because it's on what stars? They don't stars, have any. Yeah. They don't have anything. <laughs> yeah, I I hear, uh, I hear people. I hear people and read people, people's comments like talking about it and saying they like it. And it was like, I think I I actually liked Black Sails for probably two episodes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I I don't think I finished the first season, but I I liked it, and then all of a sudden just kind of came to realization is like. This is not worth my time. Andy, I think we were living together when season one came out, actually. Yes. We, we, like, watched yes. it. We were like, all right, Black Sails, dude, let's do Black it. Black Sails. Like, oh, this sucks. Uh, <sighs> another one where, like, concept just really drew you in, and then the the, the delivery was just not there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, getting back to Man in the High Castle, um, I am going to – once my kind of backlog of shows clears up here, I am going to give it another go. There are – you know, there's some people who I trust in their assessment of TV that – really love this show so i'm gonna ho hope you know that you just got to stick with it a little bit and it gets a lot better um but as of right now it's it's not anywhere near a priority for me uh, so another one that actually just came out the the whole season was just released up like this week i think uh, or last friday maybe um is sneaky pete so this is starring giovanni rubisi and Brian Cranston. Um, you can pretty much tell me anything Brian Cranston's in. I'm going to watch it. You know, Breaking Bad was so good, and he's a great actor. Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm, great show. Um, I love it. So Sneaky Pete focuses on a con man. Giovanni Rubisi plays a con man. Uh, I'm on my fourth episode of this show as well, and and, and seriously loving it. It's great. Um, he uh, Rubisi is one of my like top actors who's not really like known for a lot of things but i don't know if you guys remember a movie called boiler room from the year 2000 it's like a yep. yeah stock exchange movie with like yeah ironically works for like a bunch of con men in that movie too um yeah sneaky pete's worth a watch uh i've heard that the whole series ends up being or this is the season ends up being really good so i'm excited to get through that one and then goliath like i mentioned um that's one i watched probably a month ago uh, I thought Billy Bob was great. 
in that show he did a like a, a fantastic job of like so Billy Bob everything I've seen him he kind of always plays like a drunk guy and he usually stays drunk the whole time but this one he like started off as a drunk guy and then kind of got his life together <laughs> um so kind of <laughs> spoilers <laughs> yeah but seeing him actually like play somebody who's not drunk he was actually really good um but it kind of focuses on like it's a, a legal thriller i guess where it focuses on you know the the little man taking on the big corporation um and the big corporation flexing its muscles muscles and everything and just seeing um you know how that plays out and seeing you know the series through to the end the ending was great um so that goliath if you have the time to watch that i would definitely check that out as well nice yeah so another show here that we've all watched uh, that's kind of generating, at least leading up to the show, there was a lot of buzz for it, uh, The Young Pope on HBO. So, Kevin, I'm going to turn this over to you. All right, just to be clear, um, I've only watched the first episode of this one as well. I don't know if that's true of you guys, too, but same, same. HBO did put the second episode up uh, early for streaming, uh, so that is out there. And I do plan to write on this show, um, but not until I've seen the second episode, because I, I figure most viewers have probably seen that by now. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, the series, um, you know, focuses on a young uh, American pope. Um, coming in uh, to the Vatican and his first days, you know, as the Pope, um, you, you see some dreams of his. It's a very kind of visceral show at the beginning, um, showing his ideas are, are very controversial. The things he thinks about are very, I guess, progressive compared to the rest of the church. But um, I don't know. It just it, it seems to me. Uh, like you guys were talking about a good setup um, for Taboo, I feel like while not a lot really happened in the first episode of The Young Pope, it's setting itself up to be one of those HBO dramas where it slowly builds to something that's really going to draw me in. Um, I'm not a particularly religious guy, um, but it seems to me that this Pope isn't either. So <laughs> it uh, might not uh, matter in the end uh, how interested you are in religious affairs, uh, whether or not you can enjoy the show. Uh, it seems to me to be an interesting concept, you know. A lot of people uh, these days try to talk about fitting uh, religion in with uh, modern secular values, and that seems to be kind of the the angle they're taking uh, with this show, but doing it, you know, in HBO style. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, I think it's going to be the uh, the classic bait and switch if people are <laughs> looking to watch it because they are are firmly religious. Uh, not not going to be what they expect. Uh, for I agree that this was a, a good setup episode. My only complaint was that I just hate Jude Law's character, and I don't know if that will change. I I, I just couldn't get past how big of a dick he was. It was just and that, and that that probably appeals to a lot of people. It just it just really he he in particular rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to continue to watch because if you saw the um, this season preview, uh, it looks like it gets it's pretty intense. Yeah, I think we're going to get a really good look into like the, the backdoor politics that happen uh, in the church and in the Vatican. Um, you know, from all accounts, you know, it's a pretty corrupt system. Um, so I think we're going to get a, a real detailed look into that and just how like 
like Jude Law, how, you know, you guys have mentioned, like, he's this young American coming in where typically, like, a Pope's, like, some, like, old, decrepit dude. Um, but I think he's gonna, he's gonna really try to shake things up. Um, like, I love the opening scene where he was having his dream, where he was uh, giving his first, like, big speech in the Vatican, and, like, he's just, like, like, we need to masturbate more. Like, all this stuff. Like, like I, I thought that that was real when it was happening. I was like, this is incredible. Like, this is hilarious. Uh, That's the line that got you hooked, right? Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Duh. This is a Pope I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, what a guy. Uh, but no, like, like you said that you don't like him because he's a dick. Like, I actually really enjoyed that. Like, I love that, like, that other old religious dude who's clearly been around forever. Like, he thinks he's pulling all the strings. He's like, do this, do that. And the guy's just like, no, get the hell out of here. And, like, when he went and pressed the button right in front of him, after being told yeah. that, that button's yeah. meant to get people out of the room, he just looks right at him and presses it. It's like, that's such a power move. But uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm interested to see, like, the backstory of, you know, what created this person. Like, yeah, I know he's a dick, but I'm interested to see how he became that big of a dick but still like stayed with the church. You know what I mean? And I, it, a lot of that is already hinted at, um, you know, with the, the nun who, who raised him and whatnot being brought in as his right hand woman. Um, so I guess that's part of what I'm really interested in too. Like, you know, kind of building up that character. Yes, I agree. Um, do we know how many episodes this is going to be? Cause I think it's a limited series. It's been described as, uh, not sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, the young Pope, check it out Sunday nights, nine o'clock. Um, so, you know, we've talked about a couple of new releases here, so I think it's appropriate at this point to talk about some things in 2017 that we are looking forward to. Um, so we'll start on the movies end of things. So there's just, uh, you know, a few really big movies that have been teased so far. Uh, I think the first one, you know, when we saw this trailer, we were all really excited for it. Uh, Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan, World War II movie focusing on, you know, some of the, the lesser known aspects of the war. Uh, but anything Christopher Nolan does, I'm, I'm getting involved with. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which Guardians of the Galaxy 1 was outstanding. Kind of a Chris Pratt guy, not going to lie. Uh, Groot, Groot's awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah Guardians of the Galaxy 2 um, you guys seen the previews for Logan so the Wolverine one right yes Yes. Uh, I'm not a big X-Men guy I'll leave this to you two to discuss I love X-Men uh, That I, I prefer X-Men to any of the other superheroes or anything uh, I, I think over the years the Wolverine movies have been a little lackluster and there's no telling if this one won't be either at least not yet from what i've seen but uh the preview looked to be like a very dramatic conclusion to to his story yes so, i don't know yes. could be interesting i probably i probably won't go and go and see it in theaters but it would be something i'd be interested in seeing at some point you don't really see anything in theaters no no you're right <laughs> uh so logan actually i don't i don't know if this was just some like stupid clickbait headline or something or how even they would know this yet but I've heard that Logan is going to be the first superhero movie to, like, really be in contention for, like, a Best Picture uh, a nomination or conversation. So I'll be interested to see, like, just how good it is. Uh, but, yeah, the tra like the trailers look solid. I I'm interested in that. Um, that. That could certainly be because it's, it's going to be very um, different in the sense that they're not depending on, like, 
displaying the the powers that these supernatural uh, creatures have like it, we're not gonna see logan get shredded up with bullets and then regenerate and then pull out his claws and and slice everybody up like it's it's a it's a much more dramatic piece i think it's gonna yeah. be yeah that's why i think it'll be in that well if it's going to be a good movie that's why i think it could be in that conversation gotcha yeah i agree uh, another kind of Marvel movie here, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, so anyone who saw uh, Captain America Civil War, we saw who the new Spider-Man is. Uh, I don't know the kid's name off the top of my head, but he actually did a really good job playing Spider-Man in that movie. Um, I have not liked the previous Spider-Man movies because I hate Tobey Maguire. I think he's a little bitch. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> He reminds you a bit too much of yourself. Yeah, I see myself <laughs> in him, and, you know, I don't want anyone else being me uh, for their sake. But, <laughs> but yeah, so Spider-Man Homecoming, looking forward to it. He did a, This kid did a really good job of, like, capturing the humor and, like, uh, sarcasm and wit of Spider-Man, which kind of, like, is one of the main things that, like, makes Spider-Man the, the superhero that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dark Tower, Kevin, you're a big Dark Tower guy. I'm a big Stephen King guy in general. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what they do with the Dark Tower um, series and film. Uh, you know, uh, big news uh, was that Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey were cast as the two leads in this. Um, Idris, um, you know, just to put it right out there, it was uh, semi controversial because the character that he's playing uh, in the books is described as Caucasian, but he's black. So, of course, people always come out and question, well, should you do this? Should you not? Um, Idris is just, you know, such a good actor. And I, I do not think that the race of the character is really important in the book that I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he's going to do in that role. Um, I did hear that uh, the actual plot of the film is going to deviate from the books and um, this is going to be kind of difficult to explain to someone who hasn't read them, but that that can kind of work because of the nature of what's going on in the universe that's described in the books. Um, we'll just say it's kind of like a, a malleable, changing thing. Um, so it'll be interesting as well as someone who, you know, even if you've read the books, you don't necessarily know how it's going to go. So I'm, I'm really fascinated with seeing how they do it in the film. And then supposedly it might be spinning into a TV series as well of some kind. So... Uh, I'm just interested in the whole project. Cool, yeah. The Dark Tower series has definitely been on my uh, my read list for a while. I just have had other things ahead of it, but definitely I'm a big Stephen King guy as well, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it. Why don't you stick yes. with that one too, Kevin? Sticking with the Stephen King. Um, it is actually my favorite Stephen King work. Um, just uh, absolutely, like, start to finish the characters, the story as a whole, um... It just encapsulates like everything that I I love most in 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 stories in a novel uh, and in his writing in particular. Um, of course, the the, the classic um, it uh, TV adaptation TV movie um, with Tim Curry is not quite up to modern movie going <laughs> standards uh, in terms of its quality. So, as someone who does love the source material so much, I really, really want this to live up to it and and deliver a kind of a, a chilling but also um, in, endearing story, um, if that makes any sense, um, that, that the book deserves. 
So I'm really looking forward to that. Looks looks like they captured a creepy Pennywise the Clown based on the uh, few images that have been released. Yes. Okay, now for anyone who saw the movie Prometheus, which I know we all did. I think we all might have seen it together, actually. Uh, Alien Covenant coming out. So I know, Andrew, Kevin, you guys both have some pretty poignant thoughts on Prometheus, so I'll let you guys discuss this. Uh, yeah, um, so I think it was before we all went to see Prometheus together, I may have been the only one that had seen the original Alien and Aliens. Um, I don't know if that's totally correct. That's but not true. I, I, oh, you had seen them. All right. So Andy hadn't. Um, so anyways, I think we all got together and watched them again, regardless, or for the first time in Andy's case. Um, love Alien, love Aliens. Uh, Alien 3 is one of my least favorite films of all time for, uh, <laughs> many reasons I, I could do a whole podcast on that i won't get into it uh an alien resurrection just forget about it but prometheus um i loved as a fan of sci-fi uh more than just as a fan of alien i thought it was very well done um special effects the story as a whole um another one with idris elba in it actually just realized that um but I think a lot of people had issues with the fact that it left so many questions unanswered that there were so many loose threads and that does not bother me at all when I know there's going to be a sequel coming. Um, I don't think that actually bothered. I think Andy and I agreed that we thought it was a great movie and didn't get enough respect um, for how good it was. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to where they go with it here um, in Alien Covenant. See what David's up to, Michael Fassbender's synthetic character. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, as someone who hadn't seen any of those movies prior, like, Watching Alien and Aliens like immediately before going to the theater, it gave me a level of understanding and um, appreciation for some of the things that that I saw in Prometheus. So that was a, that was cool that to have that experience all in that one day. I loved Prometheus. Um, I'll never understand the arguments that 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 you just brought to light there the, of the leaving too many things up in the air. Like I speculation and questions like that's what that's what makes thing movies and and pieces of of work great in my opinion uh, obviously if you're leaving people hanging for eternity then that would suck but you had to know a, a sequel was coming um i haven't read too much about alien covenant um other than it it's it's uh following michael fassbender's character um but re- regardless of what the plot's going to be, I'm definitely in on this one. Yep, I'm with you guys. I I, I enjoyed Prometheus. We'll definitely see Alien Covenant. Uh, and uh, our last movie here we've got noted down. I'm sure there are many more, but you know, for the length of this podcast, we'll end it here. Uh, Star Wars Episode Eight, of course. You know, we've got a while to wait for it to come out, but I think it, it will be worth the wait. Uh, quickly, we'll go through some TV shows. Um, this one's a little selfish on my part. I've been trying to get these guys to watch this show. Um, you know, I've been insisting upon it, and they've gotten pretty sick of it at this point. Uh, <laughs> or- Orphan Black on BBC. It's actually on BBC America. Um, the four seasons that have been released are all on Amazon Prime, so you should check those out. It's definitely a binge-worthy show. Uh, the fifth and final season is returning in April. Uh, extremely excited about that. Uh, Andrew and I both excited for Survivor, which is coming back in March. 
Uh, it was all about game changers, I believe the season is. So they've had, you know, they have some returning champions coming back, some other fan favorites that really helped advance the game. So that's gonna be a, a great season. Uh, a favorite of Andrew, uh, MTV's The Challenge. Yeah, that's uh, that's coming back just a couple weeks on February seventh. Um, as you might know, I, I love trash TV. <laughs> so if if I can watch people compete like the like, then doing this stuff and also have all the drama of the trash TV that just that just adds to it. Um, so th- this season I believe it, it's they're doing a, a similar format where it, where it's kind of like uh, game changers or like former champions like big name players who have who have won a lot in the past or were dominant for whatever reason. Um, one one returning cast member with ct from boston who oh, yeah, if you've ever yeah. watched if you've ever watched the real world or any of the challenges you'll know he, he's an absolute monster um and he's fantastic to watch um and then, and then they'll be pitted against uh either newcomers or uh you know some relatively inexperienced challengers cool so back to real tv now uh <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen the preview for Legion, which is uh, it's been advertised on FX um, during Taboo, but it's in partnership with Marvel and it focuses on a, a, some dude who's a mutant. He's I think he's like just discovering his mutant powers, uh, but that's uh, premiering in the middle of February. It looks real good. Do you guys know anything about Legion? Nope. Right, check the nah. uh, check, watch the commercials during uh, Taboo and you'll see the, the preview for it. I I was intrigued just seeing that. Um, sticking along the Marvel uh, theme here, hitting Netflix soon is, I, I don't know the exact date, but Iron Fist is getting his own show, and he will complete the uh, foursome that make up the Defenders. So we have Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage, who have all already had their Netflix shows uh, with new seasons coming this year as well. Uh, Iron Fist will get his, and then they are doing a combined series a la the avengers so the defenders will have a joint show which i'm pretty excited about i've liked all of these shows so far on on netflix uh of course we must mention game of thrones what do you guys uh see in this season of game of thrones um greatness i see greatness in it (laughs) good me too um, I, it was recently it was recently announced that uh, George R. R. Martin believes that he'll finally get the Winds of Winter out this year, so uh, maybe I'll have a better idea of what I expect before long. I I, I do I'll believe that when the book hits the shelves. <laughs> like, I mean, do we want to really speculate on what's going to happen, or should we save that for a later yeah, pod? We'll do an, we'll do another pod on Game of Thrones for sure. All right, I think we can do a whole pod on that. Yeah, and uh, Andrew, you're. Your your baby, The Walking Dead, coming back. Soon. Oh my baby! <laughs> what a gross baby! <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm not having kids. <laughs> oh man, that's a hot take right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the second half of season seven is returning on Sunday, February twelfth. Um, let's hope that they pick up where they left off with the mid-season finale uh, and finish out the season on a good note. Awesome. So yeah, uh, just real quick here, you know, we like to get some music talking here too. So uh, Kevin, I know you've been working pretty hard on getting a new 
piece out for the website. Um, so I was hoping you could maybe give us a little sneak peek of what's to come there. Uh, yeah, so I threw together a special edition of the playlist um, that breaks down my, my top 25 albums of 2016, of last year, it being award season and all. Um, you know, as much as people like to bitch and moan about 2016 as a year, uh, you know, as a whole, it was actually a very good year for music. It was really hard for me to to whittle my list down to just 25 albums. Um, some ones that if you had asked me, generally speaking, I think I went over some of the albums I thought would make the cut on our last pod didn't make it just they, there was no room for them and i ultimately decided they weren't they weren't good enough uh i don't like to i don't really like to look at music in that sense you know um different types of music different albums are good in their own ways and and strike me for different moods but it's kind of fun to do this too so i threw together a top 25 list and also a playlist that delivers one song from each of the albums um a sneak peek, jeez. Uh, uh, controversial. Weezer made it. <laughs> yeah, that's so controversial. For all that's you listeners my... who don't know, Ringo is like, he's got a weird obsession with Weezer. Very weird. I'm a Weezer fan. We're all weird. <laughs> True. All right, and then just one one last thing here. What's, what's currently up on your phone? What are you jamming to? Uh, for me... Um, Cloud Nothings, one of my favorite bands going right now, have released three singles from their upcoming album. Album drops uh, week in a week, I believe, um, and they've all been awesome. And I, I can't wait for that album to come out. So I've just been having those three singles in heavy rotation so far. Uh, and then also just like every album. <laughs> On this list, as I've been trying to to put this article together and this playlist together, um, you, you'll see the albums <laughs> when you read the article. Nice. I've, uh... For me, it's just some more uh, just some more of the same old wompy Pandora beats. I say, man, if you can write your computer code to them, then I don't get the, <laughs> gets the job done. Um, so ever since I saw Straight Out of Compton, probably two months ago, I've been kind of rocking NWA pretty hard. But I've I've really gotten into the the old Ice Cube albums lately, so I've been listening to a ton of Ice Cube, which you know if you knew me like that'd be kind of weird. But I'm listening to a lot of Ice Cube. Um, and then I've also discovered this EDM band recently called Chromio. Uh, so I've been listening to all their albums as well. I really like Chromio, and I'm on a big Major Laser kick. Oh, I love Major Laser. Yeah, That's big good. fan. Yeah, so nice. that's gonna yeah that'll wrap it up for us this week. Um, we will try to get back to a more regular schedule here for the pod. Um, we got some good things coming up, like we just mentioned. You know, a Game of Thrones episode will be coming up soon. Uh, so definitely stay tuned to that. And until next time, it's Brian, Kevin, and Andrew from Radiant. <laughs>